This is Growing Your Financial Advisory Practice Podcast, Episode 2, How to Properly Articulate the Value of Financial Advice. I'm your host, Pavel Berminski from Snap Projections, and my goal is to interview experts to provide you with insights, strategies, and actionable tactics that you can start applying to grow your financial advisory practice today. Today's guest is John Page. John is an incredible person, and I feel extremely honored to have him on the show. John started in the industry as an insurance agent back in 1978 and developed a top agency with 50-plus advisors using a financial planning approach. Later, he established Page & Associates as fee-based planners, where he developed a set of innovative processes to engage and serve clients with financial planning. After turning over that business to his sons and other partners, he focused on consulting and coaching financial advisory firms as part of Wealth Enhancement Academy. Since 2013, he served as a chairman and chief adjudicator of the Plum Plus Global Financial Planning Awards. John, welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here. All right. So last, uh, last time, in the last episode, we discussed um, uh, successfully transitioning from product-centric into device-centric practice. Uh, so uh, for those ones who missed that episode, go ahead and listen to that episode first. But today we'll be talking about properly articulating the value of financial advice. So however, be- before we start, uh, let's talk about the true value of financial advice. John, how do you think about the value of financial advice? Well, that's, a, that's an interesting question. Um, the the value of financial advice uh, can be can be huge, um, and it is the way some advisors uh, articulate it. Um, like in, in the real world, people um, their their um, their overall life can be transformed um, by working with an advisor and getting good financial advice. So. Uh, the value of it is is huge, and um, perhaps we'll we'll get into touching on a little more detail what's uh, you know what's involved. Absolutely. So, um, what uh, what from the research we've done, and uh, from what we know, there there have been really numerous studies attempting to really quanti- quantify the value of financial advice. And I do want to touch on some of them because I, I do feel they are important to be mentioned. And sure. for example, uh, there's you know advisor um, advisor alpha concept introduced by Vanguard in I think back in 2001, uh, which is outlining how advisors could add value or alpha through the relationship oriented services. And this apparently amounts to about three percent. Um, in net returns for clients, so so that's that's a huge value add, of course. Um, so that's one aspect, um, and uh, the one study. The other study that I remember is Morningstar, and this is I think 2013, and they introduced the concept of gamma. And this concept was designed to quantify the additional value that can be achieved by uh, by an individual investor from making more intelligent financial decisions. And I think. Um, what they uh, what they argue is that a good advisor can add an equivalent of one point eighty two percent of annual uh, arithmetic return alpha to clients through uh, five spe- specific components. And I think it's everything from asset allocation and withdrawal sourcing uh, to behavioral coaching um, as well. So, um, but let's let's maybe talk a little bit more about that, John. How do you approach quantifying the the value of financial advice? Okay. Um- the value I I articulated to uh, would articulate it to a client um, in a very specific way. I I first of all I talk about peace of mind. Um, I mean it's hard to put a value on peace of mind, but 
I mean, there's no question that good financial planning will provide huge peace of mind to people. And um, I, I would talk about that quite a bit and see if I can get, you know, some agreement on the person's part. And I, I start doing this very early, um, as early as possible in the process. And I continue to refer back to, um, you know, how important peace of mind is. The, uh, the second area of value and the, this is like peace of mind is a little hard to really quantify, but um, people save a huge amount of time by working with a financial advisor. So time, you know, if you somebody liberates you and you've got more time, then you can focus that on whatever matters most to you. So how do you how does the advisor save time? Well, a whole bunch of different ways. Um, one of the one of the main things is a lot of the small decisions that uh, the individual might make and, or might be exposed to. For example, let's say um, uh, renewing a mortgage. Um, what what term you want to take? Something like that. You you could spend a lot of time grappling with, or you could pick up the phone and call your financial advisor and say, "What should I do?" That that saves a lot of time. Um, the the other the other area that uh, once again some of these are a little hard to articulate, but um, I've done this so many times with clients that you know um, of course for me it's very very easy. Um, but the the next area would be um, what I call assurance of making the right decisions, and you don't. Um, of course, you don't always make the right decisions, but what you want to make certain of is that you don't make any huge blunders. And working with a financial advisor will generally save you from that. Um, one of the one of the areas that that I think of most often is um, particularly where someone has come into a fair amount of wealth. And what you'll find is you have a number of people that would like to um, that would like to get some money from you. Um, for example, uh, one one situation that I remember is a client uh, had a brother-in-law come to him, and he had this idea for a new business, and um, he needed two hundred thousand dollars. And, you know, he developed a whole story <clears throat> um, why this was a good thing. So, but what the client did, which was very clever, uh, said to the, to his brother-in-law, well, look, I, I have a financial advisor and part of the deal that I have with my advisor is I don't make any big decisions like this unless I run it by him. So what that, what that turned out to be is I get, I get the pleasure, not the pleasure, I'm kidding, of uh, telling the brother-in-law it doesn't, you know, I don't think it's a good idea. And of course, you know, you have to do the courtesy of articulating why. And even if it's, it may be the greatest idea in the world, um, it's still in, inappropriate to put uh, two, 200,000 eggs in, in a basket that we have no idea 
really what, what the outcome is going to be. As you know, most fa- small businesses fail. So um, it's an easy way out for, for um, a client. In another situation is you have your kids come to you. And um, I, had a, I had a client that uh, used to call himself Banker Bob because he had a bunch of kids. They were always, you know, getting money from Bob. And um, so what he what he finally started doing was saying, look, I need to I made this strategy with my financial advisor and I made a deal with him that I wouldn't do anything unless I ran it by him. So I'm going to. I'm going to have to run this by him. So what what happens? I mean, sometimes you do want to give money to your kids, um, maybe for a mortgage to pay off a mortgage, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. But also, depending on on the personality involved with the client, you may find that some kids are, you know, kind of taking advantage of you. And uh, so I I become um, as the advisor. I help them avoid making, you know, really bad decisions. So um, how do you how do you uh, quantify that? Because I want to go back to, for let's say, for example, there is somebody, uh, there is a, a let's say prospect, and and we need to convince them to work with us, right? So yes, for sure, advisors can provide peace of mind. We can definitely save a lot of time, and and, and uh, in uh, in a lot of cases, we can actually save clients from making a really huge. Uh, uh, in, uh, mistake, right? But how do we actually quantify this? How do we convince somebody uh, to uh, to work with us? Okay, okay. Well, that's a that's a good point. Um, and the way the way you you convince someone is, in my way of thinking, is you you make a presentation to them, which is which is all around the the whole idea of what you would do for them, um, and my favorite tool to do that um, has always been a sample financial plan. I would actually, I always had two, three, or maybe four uh, specific samples that I would work with, um, each each a little bit different because I want to show I, I want to show something that is going to that the person is going to be able to uh, relate to. So. Somebody with a multi-million-dollar net worth, I don't want to show them, you know, a sample client that that has a hundred thousand of assets because it's not going to be very meaningful to right. them. So um, the big tool for for me has always been to to go through that that example of what's involved in the in a financial plan, and it, I, I think if you it, First of all, if you have a good plan um, and and you go through that with someone, they will be able to see and relate to their own personal situation and they'll see the value. So when you're going through the plan, um, for example, one area in the way I would do a plan, um, it, it has at the end of it what I call an action plan. And it's a list of various things that we need to do. And while going through that in, in the example um, with a client, you can often come up with while you're going through it, an approximation of what that particular advice 
might have been worth to somebody. The, the simplest example is, is tax savings, um, that you're able to, uh, let's say uh, you've got a situation where you have a debt that you're paying interest on that's not deductible. And so you, you know, you, if you, there's a way to swap that and make it deductible, uh, you can very easily quantify the value of that deduction. And that could be a very big number. Um, so the, the best way to, to me to be able to show the value is through a sample. And then coming to the studies, I, I think you use the studies more as a backup rather than starting with the studies. Um, and the, the studies that you mentioned are, um, are, are, real, um, are really critical to understand them. And by the way, I've, I find that a lot of advisors are not even aware of these studies. Uh, which blows my mind. They, like the first <laughs> time I discovered the um, uh, <clears throat> the morning side one, I I couldn't believe it that it was. They they spent um, two years working on this and working on the study, and the, the guys that worked on the study are some pretty smart people. Mm -hmm. um, it, it just so happens that one of my colleagues, Sean Brayman, uh, had worked on a project with one of these guys, so I knew him quite well, mm -hmm. and I was able to speak with him. Um, but this, the studies are, are really, really important, uh, and you need to spend a fair amount of time. It's not something that you're going to do in 10 minutes. I agree. I actually was very impressed by morning study um, uh, study as well, and it was it, it, it is really nicely done scientific paper on on the topic. So, if I understand it right, your approach really that um, you know, from your experience that worked really well is is not trying to quantify the divisor uh, alpha is let's say one percent or let's say one point five or three percent, but really bring it to the context of the, of an individual, whether it's a person who is approaching retirement or maybe a little younger, and uh, show them a sample plan, and then go to the action plan, sectioning that plan, and basically go over uh, different elements of, of, of what would you recommend and try to quantify the value of, uh, of that advice. Yeah, uh, so that's, uh, that, that's it. That's it, excellent. So, okay, right, uh, so once, now that we have that right, let's, uh, let's talk more about um, uh, other advisors. So the advisors that you work with in the past, I know you work with a lot of advisors and, and, and uh, uh, coach them. Uh, what are the main issues advisors have with articulating the value of financial advice? Huh. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. Well, uh, it, believe it or not, I, I think that advisor, most advisors don't even try to articulate the value. Um, yeah, I know that, or, or they will focus on one particular point, um, and it's generally in the investment area, you know, that they have some, uh, they will show a sample of uh, a portfolio that they've managed, and they'll show a particular rate of return that the portfolio got that, of course, would be very attractive. And they try to articulate value in in that way, um, and that's I, I don't think that's a good idea, really. Um, I, I think you need to you need to dig in a lot more. 
because, I mean, anybody can come up with, yeah, I invested some money over here and got this rate of return. It's really, if the client is very sharp, it's not very impressive. So you need to really be able to relate it to them, um, which is why I use the, the method that, that I described to you. So most advisors, I don't think, are very good at doing this, and not because it's hard, but uh, because they haven't taken the time to figure out how how they would do that. And you need to have a process um, that, that you follow, and you're probably going to follow that process every time. And I promise you, you can get very, very good at articulating the value, so good that you could probably – um, you, you could probably get a client to engage you that really you would someone you wouldn't even want as a client. In, in other words, it's, it becomes too hard for people to say no to you. <laughs> so uh, you become pretty much irresistible uh, yeah, to exactly. your prospects. Exactly, okay. that's what I'm saying. And we'll we'll talk about that. There is another episode that we'll be we'll be talking about pricing and structuring your service offering to make it irresistible to prospects. So we will actually go down to the level of pricing. What are the key issues to watch out for, right? What can go wrong in this process? What have you witnessed in the past that what what went wrong and how how we can recover from that? That that's a tough one to to articulate. What went wrong in trying to demonstrate the value? I would say that if you have an example that's a very poor example and you try to use that, I mean, it's very hard to recover from that when the client says, well, yeah, but, you know, that that doesn't make sense or whatever. Like the issue with the portfolio that I just mentioned, you, you say, uh, you know, I manage this portfolio for this guy and we got this and that. And, you know, the, the prospect may be sharp enough to say, but I mean, there's so many other factors in, involved that he won't say that doesn't impress me, but that will be the impression of what he's telling you. And I think the, the key is you have to try to do it right the first time because it's very hard to recover because you typically you don't really have the trust, much trust built up with a prospective client because it's a very new relationship. So you have to be careful that you don't make blunders early in the discussion because it's maybe too hard to recover from that. Absolutely. And this is what I really wanted to highlight to the listeners because this is not the area, especially during a first meeting with a client, this is not the area to experiment, right? We need to have the process. We need to have the system that's proven and tested and we know that works. Okay, let's maybe talk a little bit more about any tips if you have for, for listeners? We, we started talking about the sample plans. We, start, we started talking about quantifying the value of, of different pieces of advice. Do you have any tips on properly articulating the value of money? Okay. So one, one, one other thing that's kind of at the tail end of what, we, what I started on, when I went through the peace of mind, saving time, and assurance of making the right decision, there's a fourth item there that typically comes up, which is tangible. And I mentioned the fact that these other, you know, first three items are are difficult to to quantify because they're uh, they're largely intangible. But the fourth item is very tangible, and that's where I would use the studies, because then the studies have some real meaning. And you can, depending on if this is a first meeting, it's difficult to go too far on the first meeting. 
once you're aware of what their situation is, so you're you're into a second meeting because you've studied their situation, it's a lot easier to articulate value. So what what I'm suggesting is the fourth item is is tangible value. And I mean, you can't really prove that, but there's a great, great body of evidence by some very smart people that have come up with these these formulas, if you will, that they believe. You mentioned one earlier that I, I believe it was 1.82 percent right. um, additional return. And really, that 1.82 is is like alpha. I mean, that's a huge number. It, it's so big that it's almost a, it's almost a scary thing to uh, to show somebody an example of that if they have a large portfolio, how powerful it can be. Absolutely, and we will get to that. We will get to this in episode number number four, conducting your first client meeting in a way to maximize conversions and to weed out bad clients. So, for example, clients that we would not want, even though they potentially may want to want, want to work with us. Okay, John, this was the last question, and. Thank you very much for coming on the show again and providing so much value to our listeners. And I do look forward to continuing our conversation, episode three, pricing and structuring your service offering to make it irresistible to prospects. Bye. Great. 